All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, and we'll begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth a winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, with which he deceived them that received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Heavenly Father, we ask you now, if you would, to bless the message. I pray that the Holy Spirit would have his will and way. Speak to hearts. Dear God, I ask you, if you would, to, to help us now. And Lord, strengthen and encourage those that, that need encouragement. And we pray once again for those that are lost, God, that you'd save them. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. And amen. I want to preach on this subject on the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ. Now we know that the rapture of the church will take place at the beginning of the tribulation period and the second coming of Christ will take place at the end of the tribulation period. We know that when we talk about the rapture of the church that is the catching away of the bride that will be taken away. Paul talked about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and many other passages that we could relate to. Our Savior mentioned that but also when we think about uh, uh, the, the second coming of Christ, there are several passages that Jesus mentioned uh, in the book of Matthew and in the Gospels that, that talked about uh, the second coming. In fact, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 8, uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, Every eye and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And we know that this verse has to do with the revelation of Christ, the second coming of Christ, not the rapture of the church. And then uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, when our Savior talked about the tribulation period. One of the things that uh, Jesus mentioned there uh, is what would mark the end of that tribulation would be His coming. Amen. In Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 35, Jesus likened it unto the days of Noah. As He said, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He said, For two shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house would have known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also 
ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. This passage of Scripture has to do uh, with the second coming of Christ. So when Jesus comes, when the second coming of Christ takes place, what is it going to usher in? What is it going to, to bring to this world? I would say first of all, according to our text, it's going to bring Jesus. Amen? Because we know that when He comes, it'll be Him that's going to be coming. Amen? Uh, we know that the armies, the Bible talks about that are in heaven, are going to follow Him. But He will be leading. Amen? The captain of our salvation. The King of kings. It will be Christ. It'll be His return as He comes to this earth. And we know that it will usher in and it will bring Jesus. Amen? A second thing that it's going to bring in this text is that we'll see that it's going to bring judgment. Amen? Uh, because when Christ comes, uh, He's not coming as a babe in a manger. He's not coming as a lowly uh, carpenter's son or a, a humble servant. He's not coming, my friend, uh, as, a, as a lamb. He's coming as a lion. Amen? He's not coming as the sacrifice of this world, but He's coming, my friend, to bring judgment upon all those uh, uh, that, my friend, have turned against Him and rejected Him and rejected His people. So the coming of Christ uh, will bring the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's going to bring judgment. And then thirdly, it's going to bring justification. Amen? Uh, the word justification simply means uh, uh, the act of showing something to be right or to be reasonable. The action of declaring something uh, that is uh, right in the sight of God. And can I tell you, when Jesus comes, uh, He's going to bring justification. He's going to bring it, my friend, to the nation of Israel. Those that have turned against Israel, those that have despised her and rejected her, those that have wreaked havoc upon the, this nation, those that have slaughtered her children, and my friend, have, have ravished her women, and those that have ruined the city, God is going to justify that nation that is the fewest of all people that has been despised by this world. When Jesus comes in the second coming, He's going to raise that nation up. He's going to keep His promise, keep His covenant that God had made with her, and God is going to bless her. And my friend, those nations that have come against her, God is going to judge. And those nations that God that has blessed Israel, God is going to bless. Amen? And so the second coming of Christ is going to bring the Lord Jesus. It's going to bring the judgment of God upon this world and justification to the nation of Israel. When we come to this text here tonight, I want you to see here three things in this text concerning the second coming of Christ. First of all, I want you to see here the vision of His coming. The vision of His coming in verse number 11 down to verse number 14. John sees the coming of Christ. And I want to stop and say, this is a phrase that is often found throughout the book of Revelation. John makes it uh, makes this statement repeatedly over and over. Notice verse 11. He said, and I saw. Amen. Uh, John uh, uses that phrase, and I saw. Another phrase that John uses is, and I heard. Uh, John wants us to know that he has seen these things and he has heard these things. He has been an eyewitness uh, of this account as other accounts he writes about. But John says here, and I saw heaven open, and he's going to talk about the creature. Uh, in verse number 11, and behold a white horse. He mentions this horse here. Now the Bible talks about another white horse in Revelation chapter number uh, of chapter number 6 and we know that uh, the one that's upon that horse is not uh, the, the Christ but he's the Antichrist. Uh, he's bringing a false hope and a false peace. Uh, he has a bow but he doesn't have no arrow. Uh, but this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is coming.
calling. The Bible calls him the faithful and the true. And so we see this creature that he's riding upon, uh, this horse, this white horse. Why is this white horse so important? Well, my friend, uh, I believe it's a literal horse, amen, uh, because uh, there's a, a lot of other literal things that we'll read about here in a few moments. But uh, this is not just a literal horse, uh, but this horse is symbolic, amen. Uh, you see the horse is a picture of strength, amen. Uh, whenever kings would go into battle, uh, they would ride upon that horse. Uh, uh, those captains would ride upon those horses. Uh, and that horse was a symbol of strength. Uh, and this white is a symbol of purity. And he is the pure son of God. And so we see this creature. And then we see our captain. Amen. The Bible said he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Amen. I think that's important uh, because this captain here, uh, the Bible's going to reveal his character. He's faithful and he's true. After all that has happened through the book of Revelation, all the tribulation, all the trouble, all the, uh, all the falseism uh, through the false prophet, through the beast, uh, uh, my friend, through uh, Satan himself, now there's coming one out of heaven. And he's coming back to this earth and he's coming upon a, a white horse and he, his character is that he is faithful and he is true. Amen. That's how those Jews are going to know it's the one that, uh, that they were looking for, that they're looking for. It's because uh, it's their Messiah. It's the one that they prayed for. It's the one that they sought after. It's the one that they rejected in the Gospels. Amen. But even though Israel has been unfaithful, even though Israel has failed. I want to tell you, God has never failed. He's still faithful. He's still true. And He's coming back and it reveals His character. Amen. In fact, the Bible in this text talks about several words, several names is given uh, to His character. A character in verse 11, He's faithful and true. Amen. Uh, the Bible uh, talks about him in verse number 13. Uh, the Bible says here that he's the Word of God. Amen. Uh, that he has his name is called the Word of God. He has an untitled name in verse number 12. The Bible said that he had a name written that no man knew but himself. A mysterious name in verse 12. The Word of God in verse number uh, 13. And then uh, the Bible talks about uh, uh, that he's the King of Kings in verse number 16 and the Lord of Lords. And so he has these names that, that is mentioned here. And all of these names are in representation of his character. Christ is faithful and true. Christ is mysterious, a name that no man knows but he himself. Uh, Christ is the Word of God. John chapter number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Talking about Jesus, His incarnation in that chapter here. And then He's the King of all kings, and He's the Lord of lords. Amen. That's who He is. And so uh, this talks about His character. Amen. The vision of His coming. John saw Him and he saw the creature that he was on. He saw the captain, the Lord Jesus himself. He saw his character. And then he saw the components. John mentions several components here uh, in representation of the vision of his coming. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible talks about in verse number 12, his eyes, that they were a flame of fire. Talking about the wrath and the 
judgment of God. Then it talks about his head. Upon his head were many crowns. That, that head has to do with superiority. It has to do with authority. Uh, the king would put the crown uh, on his head because it represented that he was the, the head of that government. That he was in charge. It, it's a place of superiority. Uh, listen, uh, listen, God is going to has a Calvary. Uh, the Bible talks about Jesus when he was on the cross. What did he do? He crushed the head of that serpent. Amen. Uh, and thank God. Uh, uh, listen, that, that means that he was superior uh, to the devil. He always has been and he always will be. And so that head is a, a picture of superiority. Upon his head were many crowns. And then it talks about, in verse number 15, it talks about that out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. It talks about his eyes, a flame of fire. Upon his head, superiority. It talks about his mouth. Uh, the Word of God is coming out of his mouth. Never did anything come out of the mouth of our Savior that was not true, that was not wholesome, that was not pure, that was not faithful, that was not the Word of God. He's the very Word of God. The Bible talks about that in Him dwelleth the, the, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What that means is in Colossians when Paul mentioned that is that God took God as a spirit and God took all of His personality. He took all of His character. God is holy. Who God is, the essence of God. He took all of who He is and, and He poured it into the, uh, to the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that is why Christ could say when He was upon earth that if you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. That was not a symbolic statement. That was a literal statement because Jesus was God in the flesh. He, he was the God-man. He is the God-man. He is God in the flesh. And, and when Christ comes again, this character is going to be uh, that of one that uh, the Bible talks about here that He is the Word of God. Amen. And the Bible talks about out of His mouth goeth a sharp sword. It talks about His feet as He treadeth the winepress, the, the stomping, the, the stamping down. Uh, the Bible talks about his feet. That's one of the components mentioned. And then it talks about his thigh in verse 16. That on his, he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. You know, the thigh is a symbol of strength. And here, that symbol of strength is that he's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. This is the vision of His coming. John saw Jesus coming and he saw the components. He saw His character. He saw, his, uh, he saw everything about Him. He saw everything that there was. And, and then he saw the crown. Notice the Bible said that upon His head were many crowns. That word crown is the same word where we get the word our di uh, diadem. And so upon his head were many jewels, were many crowns uh, upon his head. And then the Bible talks about his clothing in another verse, verse 16, that he hath on his vesture and on his thigh his clothing. And the Bible says again in verse 13 that he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. Why is his vesture dipped in blood? Because my friend as I said, this coming represents Jesus, but it represents judgment. And as we get down to verse number 13, we're getting closer to where the Bible is going to reveal that judgment, who that judgment is for, who it's going to be upon. And so the Bible talks about here that he was clothed with a vesture that's been dipped in blood. 
blood and His name is called the Word of God. You see, for Israel, this is going to be a glorious coming because it's going to bring sweet deliverance. It's going to, it's going to bring salvation to this nation that has for so long been slaughtered by this world. The holocaust of all holocausts will be during the, the tribulation period and toward the end of that in particular when this nation is going to be fleeing to that, that rose-red city of Petra. They're going to hide within those rocks and those caves uh, as in the valley of Jehoshaphat and in the plains of Megiddo. Joel talked about that and Zechariah spoke about it. And my friend, uh, uh, the armies and the kings and the captains of the world are going to gather themselves uh, as an angel comes down and dries up that, that great river Euphrates uh, and it opens up. Uh, you see that river divides that eastern and western uh, from each other in the Middle East. But when that river dries up, uh, it's going to make way for all those kings and captains uh, uh, to cross that river way. And they're going to come down in that valley of Jehoshaphat. And what they believe is that, my friend, they're going to be able to do a battle against the, the Son of God. They believe they're going to be able to take Jerusalem. And they will. They'll rifle the city, the Bible says. Uh, and they'll ruin the city. And it'll look like Israel shall be no more. But my friend, at the second coming, we not only see the vision of His coming, but here we see the violence of His coming. Look at verse number 15. The Bible said, verse 14, And the armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. We see the allegiance of these armies, the animals that were also on horses, just like our captain, the apparel. We are in fine linen, uh, white and clean, just like our captain. Amen. But we're not dipped in that blood. He's dipped in that blood because he's about to tread the wine press. Of verse number 15, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it it should smite the nations. You know, that's evidence. Christ is going to win this battle all by Himself. The armies, uh, we're following Him. Our captain is leading the way as we're coming. But the Bible said that out of His mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with that sword, with the very words of His mouth, He's going to smite the nations of this world. In fact, the Bible says the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle. There in the streets of that city, my friend, will flow the blood of horses, and kings and captains, he'll fill that valley full of dead men, dead armies, dead horses, just by the very words. The power of the Word of God will be displayed in that valley like we have never seen before. He's not going to need a. He's not going to need an army. He's not going to need an arsenal. He's not going to need uh, uh, listen weapons of this of this world. But the very words of his mouth, just like on the morning of creation, when his father spoke this world into existence, and and the the Trinity was there that day. Uh, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ will speak, uh, and what he will speak will destroy nations and armies, kings and captains. You see, there's two great suppers here. In Revelation 19, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb for the saved. But then there is the supper of the great gods. The Bible talks about here in verse number, verse number 17 and 18. The Bible talks about, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves unto the supper of the great God. They'll eat the flesh of kings and captains, the Bible says in verse 18, and horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. We're talking about the violence of this. The Bible said he treadeth a wine press. You know, in Bible days, they would take 
Uh, they would take a wine press, they would take boxes and they would put, those, uh, they would put that, those grapes down in it and they would get in that wine press and they would walk around and with their feet they would just stomp those grapes and, and that, that juice would run uh, underneath and they would catch it in that basin and, or they would pour it out of that box after it was filled. Hey, listen, that's the wine press there, the crushing of those grapes. And here the Bible says that he's going to tread the wine press of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. You see, this is proof that, that no sinner gets by with their sin. It may look like the world is mocking Israel and making fun of the Jews, and it may look like the devil's crowd is having a heyday and that they're reaping havoc and they're, they're running this world, but they're really not running this world. I want to tell you, when the King of Kings comes at that second coming, you know what's going to happen? He's going to tread the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath. God is going to pour out His fury. God is going to pour out His wrath upon this world. And I'll tell you, the Son of God is going to slaughter and stomp down every wicked king and every wicked captain and every wicked nation and army. You think about around this world today. Think about the nations of this world that hate God, that won't even let, won't even let Christians come, don't even want... Uh, listen, communist nations that, that, that so much hate God and want nothing to do with His name and, and won't even allow His, His Word or His presence to be spoken uh, in, their, in their land, in their country. They want to get rid of Israel. They want to take Israel down. They hate America. You think even in our own country today, all the God-denying heathens today that want to do away with our Constitution, they want to do away with our liberty, our religious freedom and liberties that we have. They want to have a, a, a nation. They want to have a land where God is not mentioned. They want to take down any statues. They, they want to get rid of any reminder. The Bible even talks about uh, this world would get to the place and, there, and there we're in that, in that hour that we're living, those last days. Uh, and the Bible talks about that they would get to the place that they don't even want to retain God in their knowledge. Knowledge. Amen. He's going to tread them down one of these days. When He comes again, the Bible talks about the vision of the second coming, the violence of the second coming. But I want you to notice the victory of the second coming. Because in verse 17 and 18, I've already read it to you. At that great supper of the great God, that angel standing in the sun will call all the fowls of the earth together. They'll come and they'll eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men, the Bible says here. Not only victory in the valley of Jehoshaphat, not only victory there uh, in that valley when the Son of God puts His feet upon the Mount of Olives, but the Bible says there's another victory in verse 20. The beast was taken and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, that false prophet was responsible for fooling those nations, for rallying those troops and those armies. The Bible says that uh, and with them which he deceived, that, that received the mark of the beast and, and them that worshipped his image. Notice what the Bible says here. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. At the second coming of Christ, there's the vision of His coming. There's the violence of His coming there in the valley of Jehoshaphat. But there's the victory of His coming. And the victory of His coming is, is that my friend is going to take down the kings and captains of this world, destroy the armies and those nations that have turned against God and against the nation of Israel. But my friend, that's not the end of it. The beast and the false prophet, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They're the first two here in verse number 20, cast alive. The Bible says uh, in the lake of fire, He 
did not destroy them, but he cast them alive in the lake of fire, which burneth with brimstone. And then in chapter number 20 and verse number 1, look what the Bible says. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him in the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Amen. It's in this uh, second coming of Christ uh, uh, that the beast, the false prophet, are cast in the lake of fire. But then the devil is chained up uh, and cast in the bottomless pit. And a great chain is put upon him. And then a seal is put over uh, that pit that he for 1,000 years, he's not going to deceive these nations any longer. Well, what a victory that is. I can see the Son of God in my mind's eye as He comes off that mountain riding that stallion and the armies of heaven are infiltrating that city. And my friend, that those valleys round about, as we praise Him, as we glorify His name, that holy city is going to come down. The new Jerusalem uh, that we preached about this morning is going to come down. And my friend, hover over that old Jerusalem. And you know what's going to happen? The Son of God is going to go through that eastern gates. Uh, and Psalms 24 is going to be a reality. And my friend, we're going to sing His praises. Uh, we're going to sing His anthem. We're going to glorify Him. And those Jews are going to come up out of those rocks and those hills uh, and they're going to be magnifying the Son of God. It's going to be a beautiful sight uh, as the blood is running down through that valley and He's going to judge Israel. He's going to judge, my friend, give legislative uh, and and executive orders to the church. uh, And my friend, listen then, uh, He's going to judge those nations uh, uh, that have stood uh, for Israel, those that have stood against Israel. And what is that? Victory is going to be in that valley and it's going to fill the world. It's my friend of the four corners of the earth. The song is going to be sung on the bells of horses. And the word is going to spread. The Bible said the curse is going to be lifted. The word of God said that that the the, the knowledge of the Lord is going to fill the land. What a day that's going to be. What a time that's going to be whenever the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Now here's the question. Are you ready, friend? You see, if you're not ready for the rapture, you're not ready for the second coming for sure. If you're not ready to meet God, you say, well, I'm a good church member. That's not going to get you to heaven. If you're lost without God and Jesus comes, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be left behind to go through the tribulation period. You say, well, the Bible says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's not to you. My friend, the Bible says that you're going to believe a lie and be damned. The Bible talks about the Antichrist is going to send strong delusions. You're going to believe a lie and be damned. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to go through that dreaded tribulation period. You're going to go through and you're going to see things like you've never seen before. Think about if the rapture took place right now and you was left behind. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have peace in your heart, you need to get it settled. You need to get saved right now. You need to make sure that you're ready. You need to get on your knees and come clean with God and ask Him to be your Savior. Put your faith and your trust in Him. Child of God, you say, oh, preacher, I'm saved. I'm coming back in that second coming. And that's wonderful. But we ought to be thinking about people that we know right now that are not saved. It ought to burden our heart. The second coming, sure, that's something to get excited about. We're coming with Jesus to this earth. What a time that's going to be. But we ought to think about friends and family members, neighbors, loved ones that we know. That they're going to go through the tribulation period. They're going to die without God. They're not going to make it. 
They're not going to make it through the tribulation. I want to ask you, child of God, you're, you're saved, you're, you're sanctified, you're ready for the rapture, but are you serving God? Are you burdened? Do you have a real burden for somebody? Maybe you know somebody right now. Maybe you've got a child. Maybe you've got a, maybe you've got a parent that's lost, and you need to get on your knees right now and pray for them. The second coming of Christ needs to be preached. It ought to be a reality to all of us. And I ask you now, as I close this message, I pray that God will speak to your heart in such a way that you'll think about the reality of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll take this message and use it. Lord, I don't know who all's listening, but I know that you know. And I know that, Lord, nothing takes you by surprise and that nothing happens by chance or circumstance but divine providence. God, I pray that you'll speak to hearts now. Have your will and have your way. Lord, as we start another work week, I, I pray that we will be conscious as, as Christians about the second coming, that we'll be conscious of the rapture that's to first take place and help us to do our part to be a witness to others. In Christ's name we do pray.